Hello, Patriots. Welcome back to Survival Defense Tactics, helping you take care of yourself so others won't have to. If you would, go to anchor.fm, look me up, sign up for listener support. If you like my YouTube videos, obviously like and subscribe to them. And, of course, you can always go to survivaldefensetactics.com and sign up for the email notification at the bottom of the page. Today we're going to talk about hard decisions to make. I think we can all agree life is full of hard decisions as it is pretty much every day. But there's going to come a point in time where you're going to have to make a hard decision about something that may be coming in the future. What happens if the grid goes down for whatever reason? And of course, once again, keep in mind, preppers don't prep for World War III. You know, we're not all doomsdayers and so forth. Some of us are just preparing for the next ice storm or the next storm season that knocks out power lines and so on and so forth. But what happens when the grid goes down and you and your family are all hunkered down, you're nice and safe, maybe you're tending to the garden outside or checking on your livestock, whatever it is you're doing, and a stranger walks up. Now, I don't mean a stranger that's like heavily armed. I'm talking about more like a family-type environment. Let's just say it's a man and a woman that you presume to be married. And they have two children with them that you presume to be theirs. So you're in your hunkered down situation. You're trying to make everything work flawlessly as possible. You know, like I said, you're keeping the garden going. You're keeping the animals fed and watered, keeping the yard mode, checking on your herbs, the whole nine yards. You're doing everything that you can to get through this grid down scenario, whatever the case may be. And people walk up your driveway. And you can tell by the look of them that they're, they haven't eaten in a while. They're dirty. They're filthy. They've probably been living in a ditch somewhere. Maybe they weren't as prepared for the situation, whatever it was. You know, maybe the, maybe the economy collapsed. And it's been a while since these people have had any kind of, you know, life of their own, so to speak. So what are you going to do when they walk up your driveway? The way I see it, you actually have several different scenarios and that there's some dangers associated with each one obviously you can reject them and tell them to go on you have nothing for them this is kind of a, that hard decision this is where you're going to have to realize what you've prepared for and what you haven't and i know some preppers tell me that hey look i'm only you know putting away for me and my family that's it nobody else is welcome here and I don't know if they've taken in consideration, well, what about if they're, you know, maybe they're their parents that live across town. What if something happens and, and all their supplies and their preps are destroyed or stolen, whatever it is, and now good old mom and dad have to move in with them. I don't know if they've considered these options to be, you know, valid. What would you do if, say, your brother is an avid prepper? very avid prepper, however far away he may live. And for whatever it is, whatever reason it is, he loses all his preps. Say a tornado rolls through and just wipes him completely out, leaving him and his family with absolutely nothing. Well, they're going to need a place to go. And once again, they are family. So what are you going to do? But back to the scenario at hand, option one is that you can reject them no matter what. Look, have nothing for you you need to leave and you need to move on down the road 
Now, there are a bunch of softies that are listening to this podcast right now, and I'm probably one of the biggest ones. I don't know that I could turn someone away. And it wouldn't be the deal of kids, per se. I just hate to see anybody hungry. It doesn't matter what your age is. But at the same time, I also understand that there are those out there that would use children as a tool to help them, you know, somehow gain something in life. There are those disgusting individuals that use children as tools and weapons. And I have absolutely no concern for those type of people at all. Next question you're going to want to ask yourself is let's just suppose same family walked up. Here's a question to consider. Are they scouts for a larger group? Perhaps these are the people that go out and they find the, the willing farmers and the willing preppers and the people wherever that would be willing to give up a meal. Hey, we'll feed you for the night, but then you got to go in the morning, you know, whatever the, whatever their agreement would be. Well, if they leave and they go back and report to the larger group, does this larger group come to your house, you know, one family at a time or all in force, whichever, and do they request a meal? If they do, are you prepared for it? What if they are not requesting, but they're demanding? Then what? And of course, this got started, hypothetically, from the family you fed just the day before. If they do come up and demand a meal, is that where it's going to be left? Or are they going to plan on taking over what you have? I, I know I sound like a conspiracy theorist. That's fine. But these are valid points to keep in mind. What if that's what their intentions are? Now, for those that are genuine, and I have no way of telling you how to tell who is who, I consider myself to be a smart man, but I'm definitely not genius material. So I don't know how to tell you how to separate the good doers from the evil doers. Human nature is such a complex and mischievous thing. You're going to have to use your own judgment on that because I, I honestly can't tell you how to do it. But here would be a deal. If somebody came up in my situation, they came up in my drive. Hey, mister, we're hungry. We haven't eaten in a week, so on, so on, so on. So, hey, look, I got a deal for you. I'll feed you and your wife and your kids, but I expect a little bit of labor in return. Maybe you could help me chop the weeds in my garden, or maybe you could help me turn the compost pile over. You know, whatever it is, maybe you could help me haul these dead branches down here so I can cut them up later for firewood, whatever it is. There may be a chore that you could have them do to help them earn that meal. Now, granted, I'm going to feed them first. There's no point in putting weak people to work and expecting them to be able to help you out for very long at all. So you've got a lot to think about. You've got a lot to consider. I guess ultimately the question I've got going on here is, did you prepare for only your family size? Or did you include a little extra just in case? If you did include a little extra just in case, you're probably going to be thinking that little extra should have been a little bit more than what you planned on. I only say that as in, once again, I'm kind of a big soft guy. That'll be my biggest downfall in life. That's probably going to be what takes me out. Somebody will take advantage of me that I won't see coming and there I'll be. But that's my problem to deal with later. If your garden size, for example, 
if you're growing a garden and I have a family of four, I think I've made mention of this numerous times in previous podcasts. I have a family of four, it's me and my wife and our two special needs grandkids. We grow our garden according to what we like to eat and how much we need to grow. Then we take whatever that figure is and we basically quadruple it. And the reason being kind of falls back on the two is one, one is none podcast I did earlier. You know, if you're planning on a spaghetti one night this next week and you buy your groceries once a week, so it's time to go grocery shopping and you buy one box of spaghetti, one can of sauce, then when you make that meal, that's gone. If you use two as one, one is none, then when that one meal is gone, you have the ability to reproduce that meal again, just in case. And that's how you put back stock back. And this is why we quadruple our garden size. Obviously, we're going to eat fresh out of the garden every chance we get. But we also want to be able to can stuff, preserve it, put it back for the winter months when you're not growing a garden. Now, we live in southwest Oklahoma. You're not going to grow a garden year-round. You can forget that. So we try to maximize production in our garden to feed us and potentially three other families our size. But the intention is that we put it back for us for the winter months. Same thing goes with uh, fishing season. When fishing season rolls around, I don't go out and catch, you know, three or four catfish and we call it done. We stock up on fish fillet. When hunting season rolls around, I go out and do my best to drop a deer. If I'm lucky, I'll drop two. Uh, after that, we go after the hogs. You know, we do whatever we can to supplement our food income, as it were, so that we spend a lot less time and money at the grocery store where somebody else has done it and added this chemical and that chemical and this antibiotic and so on. You all know the garbage that they put in the food at the supermarkets. So doing for yourself, obviously, is the way to go. In addition to your garden size compared to your family size, what if you live on a small hobby farm like we do and you're raising your own animals? Really good examples, chickens. We have enough chickens, and it's definitely not like a chicken farm where there's hundreds and hundreds. No, we have enough chickens where we get fresh eggs every single day, and I wind up giving the eggs away. That's, that's how many we have. I'm not going to let them go to waste. I'm not going to try to, you know, hoard them all and live on nothing but scrambled eggs. We have enough that we give them away to our neighbors, and they very much appreciate them. Back to the, you know, homegrown chicken laying eggs taste way better than store-bought eggs. So, you know, you just kind of have to see what your animal sizes are. Do you have one goat for milk? Do you have two? Do you have... Four chickens? Do you have a dozen chickens? I mean, just kind of do the math on this. Sit down and think about how much you need for your family size and a little extra. Or sit down and figure out your family size and then double it. That way you can continue to put food back for the winter months and rainy days and grid down situations. There's a lot to consider. And this goes beyond just your garden and your farm animals. The ultimate question was, will you turn someone away? Will you turn a stranger away? So thinking about how you're going to respond in that particular situation, and I know a lot of it's going to depend upon how that person approaches you. Do they approach you heavily armed? Are their barrels up? Are their barrels down? Are they basically wearing rags and have nothing in their hands at all? I mean, there's going to be a lot of factors to consider 
if and when this time comes. But in addition to it going beyond your garden and your livestock, it's like a the great big toilet paper scare of 2020. What a joke. But when we buy toilet paper for our family, we always buy like a 24-pack. And we'll buy one once a month. Now, in this family, uh, whether we're strange or not, we don't go through a 24-pack of toilet paper in one month. But the fact is, the two is one, one is none. We buy the one that we need for this month, and we buy an extra one, and we put it back. So when the big toilet paper scare with the fake-demic of 2020 hit, the one thing my family did not do was go out trying to find toilet paper. We were pretty well set. And I don't consider that panic buying or hoarding. That's how preppers operate. They put stuff back for rainy days. Or when people have absolutely lost their mind and can't seem to get over that need for more, more, more. So think about the question I asked. What will you do? And with any good fortune, it'll never happen. But the way our world's going, I see something bad coming. And I'm definitely not a fortune teller. Writing's on the wall. You can either read it or you can ignore it. You can either have your eyes open or you can be blinded. I mean, just kind of how you want to do it, however you want to live your life. I have a feeling if you're listening to my podcast, you don't walk around with blinders on. So kudos to you for being a step ahead, at least one step ahead. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. God bless.